0: Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. And if you're returning, thank you for coming back. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And we delve into those reasons here. I'm so excited because this week we have horror fan Scott Vigil on the podcast. We are both in the Horror Virgin community, and he is a regular contributor to the fun over there, so I was excited to talk to him about what he loves about horror movies. He's a huge fan of possession and slasher films, and we talk about all of them. We recorded this shortly before Halloween, so there is some Halloween talk. Not to make you all nostalgic. I just had such a good time talking to him because he was able to break down the juxtaposition between the movies Hereditary and Midsommar, and he was sort of able to explain to me what The Black Coat's Daughter was about because I definitely didn't understand it when I watched it. He also broke down the subtleties in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so it made me appreciate that movie a little more. And just as a heads up, in the last 10 minutes, you might hear meowing because Scott's very adorable and very vocal cat was in the background trying to get his attention. Did I mention that Scott once saw a ghost too? I think I've said enough. Let's get into this episode. Hey, Scott. How are you? Good,
1: good. Hanging in there, taking it day by day.
0: Good. Um, Are you getting ready for Halloween?
1: Yes, definitely getting ready for Halloween. Um, Last night, my martial arts class had our annual uh, costume uh, class, so everyone came up, (gasps) dressed up. I was uh, Michael Myers. We had a dude who was... Uh, Johnny from Cobra Kai and had one lady who was dressed up as uh, uh, a Tingu which is a Japanese like winged bird so lots of fun stuff but yeah I'm, I'm getting geared up and uh, possibly hitting the drive-in uh, either today or tomorrow for one of my buddies' birthdays so
0: that's awesome well thank you for being here and yeah. taking the time tell everyone a little bit about yourself where you're from etc cetera.
1: Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm from the Midwest, right outside of St. Louis, uh, born and raised in the area. Um, I do IT security for a living. Um, Been into horror pretty much all my life. Uh, Started with uh, my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side. Used to watch like Twilight Zone and um, all that kind of stuff. And then my cousins uh, got me into... um, like the crow and some of those uh some of that stuff i remember being very very young and they had rented the original i spit on your grave and we got like 15 minutes into it and they're like but they're like no this is way too much even for them who were older than me at the time and um but i've always kind of been into it Bred goosebumps and fear street as a kid uh And then probably right around, when was it, when Scream came out in 96 or so, saw that in the theaters with a buddy and everything kind of changed from there and kind of went down the loophole of looking at all the slashers, all the classics and, you know, just kind of keeping up with it ever since.
0: Awesome. So first things first, what's your favorite scary movie?
1: (sighs) That is a tie actually. Uh, So hands down favorite, like fun, I always go back to it would be the original 1978 Halloween. Um, love it. Uh, It kind of solidified the slasher genre, made those rules and everything. Obviously, we have Jamie Lee Curtis and her star turn right there, but the other one that, after going back and revisiting it as an older, you know, as the ages go by, uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the subtleties in that movie just really make me go, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this than just, you know, chainsaw-wielding crazy family of cannibals, so. I kind of go back and forth between those two.
0: Okay, cool. What are some of the subtleties that I missed when I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre?
1: The big thing that I think is interesting is after filming that movie, Toby Hooper and I think a decent uh, portion of the cast ended up going vegetarian. A lot, a big part of that film was Toby Hooper kind of taking a step back and saying, "Hey, guys, like, because you know, 1974, we had you know the Vietnam War, we had all that kind of stuff kind of going on and you know whatnot," and he was basically saying, "Hey." We're basically showing all this war atrocities and stuff on, you know, the nighttime news. And it was basically his thing of, hey, we are literally cattles lined up for the slaughter. Um, There's even, I think it's Pam at the beginning of the film, excuse me, when they're in the the van, she even talks about, like, she brings in astrology and different astrological aspects to it and if you and i can't remember the actual monologue she gives but if you listen to what she says it basically puts in place exactly what happens so there's those little subtleties also toby hooper looked at it as a very dark comedy granted there's not much to be laughed at in that film but like one of the things that always cracks me up is uh when they're dragging sally through the door she's kicking and screaming and the cook stops and he goes look what your brother did to the door like you're a family of cannibals who's just slaughtered and murdered and, you know, sliced and diced this, these teenagers and you're worried about a broken door. So it's little things like that. I go back and the cinematography on that thing is, is beautiful, 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 beautiful. Um, And I think for me too, it's the first horror movie that genuinely scared me. Like it was the first horror movie that made me go, I'm losing sleep. I don't know if I want to watch this. So, I think that also kind of plays into that.
0: Oh, very cool. I I think I had read before that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like a, a movie in favor of vegetarianism, mm-hmm. um, which makes me like it more. I watched it sometime at the beginning of quarantine, and I didn't think it was scary at all. And I was like, "Please kill Sally, so she will stop screaming." <laughs> but when I think of it from that perspective, I'm I'm okay. on board with it because I'm a vegetarian. So yeah. I'm like I'm like whatever gets people to eat less or no meat. I I'm, right. I'm a fan
1: of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and that's the that's that's the interesting thing too, is you know, they kinda even this family who is literally eating humans, like that's that's where they get their, you know, diet from. They're not, you know, they, they even talk about the hitchhiker at the beginning. He talks about, you know, like we're going out of business. They don't need us anymore, you know, they don't wanna you know use sledgehammers they want to use these machines which aren't nearly as humane and when you juxtapose that with how they kill the kids like it's sledgehammers it's these very like quick you know deaths and if you look back at that film like you said it's not scary by today's standards it's kind of slow and i can understand why some people would see it boring but there's not much blood there's hardly any blood in that i can i can uh I can see how that would definitely be one of those things If you look back and go, eh, it's, it's a little slow and boring by today's standards. But when you look at it in that kind of light, it, it kind of, in my opinion, like makes it go, oh, well, there's, there's something being said here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and i i like I liked learning the fact that they wore the same costumes the entire time. Yes, we know each other from the Horror Virgin community, the, from the <laughs> podcast, the Horror Virgin, and that was one of their fun facts in their episode about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I was like, "That's disgusting!" And also, there was no air conditioning in that house. Oh, no.
1: No. Uh the what was it? The dinner scene. I think they said they filmed for twenty seven hours straight. Yeah. Yeah. I no. I'm good.
0: so that is the ultimate vegetarian movie have you seen the movie Don't Breathe
1: yes I have seen Don't Breathe
0: I think that is the ultimate vegan movie
1: I see and it's been probably two or three years since I've seen Don't Breathe I need to revisit it I remember absolutely adoring and loving that movie when I watched it but it was one of those like I have a stack of need to watch so it's like I got through it loved it and I was like this is fantastic I need to revisit that film though um, I was actually vegan for about about a year and a half, two years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like during that vegan time, I, I I lost a lot of weight, was definitely in a lot better shape, and then uh, due to some uh, health issues with with my doctor, like, hey, you know, you want to incorporate some animal products, but not nearly as much. So, but uh, with regards to you saying it's the ultimate vegan movie, please uh, elaborate.
0: Uh, because the only way that factory farms can keep up with the production of milk at the level that we consume it is by artificially inseminating cows.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've <laughs> I've seen a lot of those videos because I know they you know take the they, they purposely like take the calves from the yeah. baby from the moms and it's it's horrible. That's all you can really say. It's it's horrible. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. All right. Anyway, but... back on topic. <laughs> um, so. You said you got into horror first by watching the Twilight Zone. Have you yep. seen Jordan Peele's Twilight reboot?
1: I have not got to see it yet because it was on CBS All Access. I want to see it. It's one of those things like I'm hoping that maybe if they do like a free trial, I can go and binge it. But I haven't got to watch Jordan Peele's yet. And I know they also released it in black and white like the original Twilight Zone. So I want to really check it out.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet because I don't have cable.
1: So yeah. Yeah. I have streaming services and that is it.
0: Yes, <laughs> me too. Um, so when we were talking beforehand, you mentioned some of the movies that molded you as a horror fan. Mm-hmm. And some of those movies were Critters 2, Monsters Squad, The Old yep. Incredible Hulk. And then you've already talked about Scream, Texas Chainsaw, and Halloween. But talk about that a little bit.
1: So the first of those, obviously Twilight Zone, like you mentioned, that was with my grandma and grandpa. The Incredible Hulk, the old Lou Ferrigno live action show, it was only when he transformed. And I remember this very, I remember it vaguely, but when he transformed, it was very scary to me as a you know four or five year old kid. So I'd have to run and grab my mom and be like, mom, watch this with me just while he changes so I'm not getting too scared. And from there, like it was, hey, it's Friday night, go and rent a movie. So it was Critters 2, it was Monster Squad. And I remember at one point, uh, my dad's like, oh, I, I can't watch Critters 2 again. We're, we're not watching Critters 2 again, rent something else. Get something else, like I, I would wear the tape out, but it was you know more like the sci fi horror, especially Critters 2. Um, but they were fun and accessible without being overtly gory or overtly scary because they balance that humor and horror, which I think is also what really attracted me and drew me to Scream. I mean, Scream has that perfect balance,
0: yeah, definitely. I rewatched Scream last weekend, so and you're wearing a Scream t shirt now, which I, I am, yes. <laughs> um, so with transformation in sci-fi movies have you seen the fly
1: oh yes actually i just i've seen the what is it the David cronenberg uh jeff goldblum one love that film i think it's probably in my opinion one of the best love stories ever put on film who is it him and is it gina davis who plays the love interest yeah like it is it it is just a heartbreaking story and you feel for them you you really connect with them and it's it is just a oh Like, I love that film, but every time I watch it, I'm gutted. Like, oof. Uh, I even, uh, because for my 31 Days of Horror this year, I decided to go back and try to watch a lot of classics that I haven't seen. So I actually went back and watched the original The Fly with, like, Vincent Price. And it's fun. It's a nice little time capsule film. Doesn't have nearly that same, like, punch that the 1980s one does. But, I mean, it's, you know, Jeff Goldblum has prime. And like I said, that love story is just fantastic. Jeff Goldblum
0: is one of my favorites. I don't know if you can see that.
1: Oh, I can. Oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was in a Broadway show back in 2005, so I made sure to stop him down.
1: That makes sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so why do you think people who seem perfectly sane love this genre?
1: Well, speaking to myself, the reason that I find the people that I know and myself gravitate towards this is because it's a catharsis it's a release i think it was wes cravens that said uh horror movies don't create fear they release it so it's you're facing this fear and it's in a uh safe controlled environment yet uh someone like myself who i'm very empathetic i'm overly empathetic like i put myself into these characters i put myself into these movies and so i'm feeling what they feel I'm, I'm you know experience what they're experiencing so at the end of it it's like i've kind of faced my own fears like for example with halloween you know john carper didn't list michael myers as you know some uh you know specific thing he was the shape he is the shape of fear in the original halloween so they even call him the boogeyman you know that's what Tommy Doyle calls him. Oh, it's the boogeyman. Lori, it's the boogeyman. The boogeyman can be whatever you're afraid of. What is your fear? That is the boogeyman, you know? And um, so with that, it's facing those fears and coming out the other side stronger. Like when I look at Sally and Lori and Sydney and all these final girls, it's them overcoming such a um, difficult Emotional, uh, physical thing, and they come out stronger. They come out um, maybe not always for the better. Obviously, there's trauma. Scream, the later Scream sequels definitely deal with that. But it is a, it is something that hey, if they can do it, I can do it. Like I don't have some mass killer chasing me around. I might have a meeting at work that I'm nervous about. But you know, if if Sally and and you know uh, Lori and all these people can face some knife wielding maniac well, I think I can talk to my team about what we need to do at work for an hour. So that's kind of where it comes for for me. And it, at the same time, it's also, it's really fun. You know, you got buddies with you and, hey, oh man, like they haven't seen it. So you get to kind of see them squirm and jump. And it always creates great conversation. At least in my experience.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's one of my favorite things about going to the movie theaters when we could was the experience of seeing being scared with people so uh you said you're doing 31 days of horror what have you watched so far
1: um well i did watch black coat's daughter uh earlier this morning i'm about halfway or maybe a little less than halfway through parasite because i've never seen parasite yet um and i'm going in blind i i don't know the plot i haven't watched the trailer so we'll see um, other than that, I've watched I watched the original Omen, I watched the original Fly, uh, watched The Witchfinder General, which is an old Vincent Price film. A lot of classics this year. I'm trying to watch more classics that I haven't seen. Uh, watched The Haunting, the original 1966, <laughs> The Haunting. 63, um, I think. Do what?
0: I think it's 63.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the early 60s. Yeah, I think you are correct um and i did that because i still haven't seen haunting of hill house and i wanted to see the original haunting and i'm now because of one of your most recent episodes you posted about on the horror version i'm trying to find the 1999 version i think it's on hbo it's on hbo yeah sweet i have hbo um (laughs) i will consider that my homework uh so but i watched that um let's see what else have i watched um Man, uh, I, I've i been making my way through the Purge series. I um, love those. Oh, I, I didn't know if I would like the sequels. I love the first one, but I'm liking how they're expanding that universe. Yes, like they, I love it. They I it, it, them built, all.
0: I find I, them all so interesting.
1: I still need to watch. I've watched the first three. I need to watch, what is it, the first Purge?
0: The first Purge. That's, did you yeah, watch that's Election the, Year?
1: I did watch Election Year. I absolutely adored Election Year. That yeah. was so, that was that was, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> um, and let's see here. What else? Uh, me and my best friend have been making our way through, um, AHS cult. Cause I hadn't seen cult yet. And then we just finished 1984. Um, like two days ago.
0: Oh, okay. So is it based on the book.
1: Uh, no, no, no. AHS for American horror story, 1984. Oh, it is. A, oh, yeah, oh yeah.
0: I didn't, I didn't know that you're talking about American horror story. Sorry. Sorry.
1: No, no, no. I. I shouldn't have shorthanded it. The IT in me kicked in, so all sorts of shorthand. Yeah, American Horror Story finished. Uh, Cult and the 1984 se- uh, season. Let's see here. Other than that, um, been rewatching some stuff. Uh, watched the first Conjuring again because I do love the Conjuring ser- series. I still haven't had it in my in my soul to watch the Nun. I just I can't bring myself to watch it. I've heard nothing it's but terrible. bad things.
0: It's so bad. <laughs>
1: I did watch, what was it? The Curse of La Llorona. And that wasn't bad, but as a Conjury movie, it wasn't good. It was, yeah. it, I mean, we had the tie-in, the, the little small tie-in with the priest, but that was about it. Um, but I love the Conjury movies. So I watched the first one. And other than that, I've been slowly making my way through, what else do I have? I'm looking at my movie stack right now, looking at what I've, made my way through i did watch the creep show animated special on shutter it's it's good two short two shorts one by stephen king one by joe hill so mm-hmm. if you like stephen king and joe hill you're, you're in good company but yeah a little smattering of everything uh, i still have my yearly rewatch of halloween tomorrow night and then tonight awesome. since it's double sign i'm gonna watch the crow
0: very cool i've never i've never seen the crow but people talk about it a lot
1: it is uh kind of like i was saying with the fly with like such a great love story that is the crow it is it is a wonderful uh revenge love story that is heartbreaking beautifully shot uh beautifully executed and if you're into comics or graphic novels at all the, the original graphic novel that's based off is a beautiful beautiful piece of art it's wonderful it's a great read okay cool
0: um have you watched the haunting of bly manor on hbo
1: uh, haven't, haven't watched Bly Manor yet. Sure, that, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, Bly Manor, Bly Manor and Haunting of Hill House are both on my two watch list. I did watch The Turning
0: Not uh,
1: very- and it wasn't good, but I, 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 I haven't looked back at a lot of the other makes of whether The Turning or The Screw is that what it was based off of? Yeah. Um, I haven't watched any of those, so I was like, before we knew about Bly Manor, I watched that and I was like, uh no, Bly, Bly
0: Manor is way better. So Okay.
1: That's that 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 gives me well, it's Mike Flanagan. That dude, in my opinion, can't do wrong. Dr. Sleep was wonderful. Hush was wonderful. Gerald's game, as rough as that subject matter is, was was beautifully, wonderfully executed. Definitely. So I have I have all the all the faith and patience in Mr. In Mr. Flanagan that he won't <laughs> let me down.
0: Um have you discovered any new movies in your thirty one days of horror this year that you want to let us yes. know?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um I just watched a couple of really, really fun ones. Tragedy Girls, which was new to me. Uh it's a little older, but it was, it was just a super fun, like very, like very energetic. Um, I don't know if we're able to talk spoilers, so I don't want to give spoilers to anyone who who hasn't seen it. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's fun. Um, it has uh, Jack Quaid who, uh, is in the boys for anyone who watches the boys, he plays the main character Huey. Uh, he's in it and it just, it's just a fun, like very dark. And I do mean dark comedy, but that was super fun. Um, just watched uh, the movie Detention. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No, I haven't. How do I explain it? It is about a serial killer who is killing off people in this high school, but it also has, it's very like quick paced, um, lots of quick cuts and very high energy. And there's also a time traveling bear. Okay. So yeah, uh, that was interesting. I, oh, the the original Amityville Horror, because I'd never seen that. And, uh, you know, Horror Virgin did an episode of that a while back. So I was like, you know, let, let's watch that. And that was a very much a slow burn, but I can understand why it's a classic. So those were some of the like, oh, those were standout like kind of surprises. Uh,
0: I really like Tragedy Girls. It's very funny. And then at the end, it's so dark.
1: It's oh boy, dark. does it get dark. But yeah, I, I'm here for it.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, it's not it's not too gruesome. And I like the social media aspect of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to say that they maybe tried making that movie in the early 2000s thousands i could be lying but then okay. they, they weren't able to because of all of the mass the school shootings the calls I, and
1: everything. oh yeah oh so, yeah
0: i mean not i mean school shootings aren't going on right now but when school was in session
1: oh yeah and i think even from that aspect for um for that i think that they handled it as tactfully as they could giving the subject matter they were going for like they didn't glorify it even though the tragedy girls are you know trying to become famous and get people to follow their media like they did show them as sociopathic they did show them as kind of cold and like hey they're cool and this is funny but you know that they're not all right upstairs there's something off so i think they bounce that real well which is one of the reasons i really really like that
0: movie so besides mike flanagan do you have any favorite horror directors
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, huge fan. I, I, I've loved, you know, what I've seen in Jordan Peele, obviously. You need to watch The Twilight Zone still, but both us and Get Out were were favorites. I love me some Ari Aster. I know he's kind of divisive, uh, you know, in, in the horror uh, horror community, but loved Hereditary. Unlike what Todd would say, it was maybe a six or seven on the scary scale for me. I, I wanted more, um, but it's a phenomenal movie. And I saw Midsummer three times in the theater, so... Oh I saw goodness. the original one twice and then I saw the director's cut once. Are you so,
0: okay?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, that was <laughs> that <laughs> that movie um that movie was very very just beautifully shot and I had to go back and go, "Wait, what did I miss? I want to look for all these little subtle things." So,
0: what did you uh discover when you watched Midsommar multiple times?
1: So, what I noticed, especially comparing it to Hereditary, is their bookends. Like um With Midsommar, like, it is the, it is to me, coming out of a toxic relationship and not necessarily getting into a good relationship, because it's all about relationships. At the beginning of that movie, excuse me, Danny is alone, she's grieving, she's trying to reach out to Christian who should be there for her, but isn't. Um, And not only is he not there for her, he doesn't want to be there for her. And so she's kind of alone. And what I've noticed upon rewatches is is she takes what she didn't get from um, Christian. And it's almost like she uh, projects it onto the, um, uh, the group in Sweden. Uh, And she's almost kind of led down that road she's almost kind of guided down it like um the one friend who's from that group even says like you know do you love christian do you feel held by him and so you have that opening scene um right before it pans out of the window and we see the name and she's sitting there just crying like just in a ball fetal position crying and christian is so disconnected he's just kind of like patting her on the back she has no one really there for her and you juxtapose that with that cathartic ending when all the women are around her and she's caught christian uh cheating on her with the girl and she is just like just letting it all out and all these people are screaming with her and crying with her and it's that cathartic feeling of hey you're not alone your feelings are valid um however the thing is is you know with that um, with that group like what is it once they hit 72 you know they they have their um, uh, ritual so is she really trading one thing which was toxic her and Christian's relationship was toxic but is she actually trading it for something better and that's kind of what I picked up on and especially juxtaposing that with hereditary and hereditary it's a family who loses a, a family member but in midsummer it's danny who literally loses her family she is a single person losing a family versus hereditary where it's a family losing a single person with regards to charlie and hereditary so that's kind of what i picked up on um and like the fact that uh, who was it um they kind of set it up where a lot of these characters like it's kind of once they get there it is pretty much guaranteed off the bat that danny is going to be may queen that she's going to be that survivor and um that that ending shot with her smiling and like you see the flames kind of playing off her face like she is happy but at what cost so that's kind of the the things i kind of i guess picked up on sorry for the long rant there
0: Oh, no, please. That's why I love talking to horror fans because I'm such a, I feel like I'm such a surface level horror viewer that I don't pick up on these things. And I never would have thought about the the um, comparison between one person losing their family and a person losing, and a family losing one person. So mm-hmm. that was really interesting. Yeah. I haven't seen Midsommar since I saw it in theaters however yeah. many years ago, so I think I should rewatch it. <laughs>
1: I don't want to. I don't want to say twenty twenty has been going on for four years, but that was just last year. That uh, was twenty nineteen. Fuck. I know. I know. <laughs> as far as your classic directors, I really I, I love Craven. Not just his Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, um, like. Serpent in the Rainbow, uh, People Under the Stairs. Carpenters, I'm a big Carpenter fan. Uh, The Thing is a a favorite, uh, as is Christine, being a Stephen King fan. Who else? Uh, I like Hitchcock, a lot of the classic Hitchcock films. Trying to think of who else I could probably throw in there, because I know I'm forgetting one, and I can't remember. Oh, David Lynch. I know Lynch might not be considered horror by many, but his stuff is always so just, like, slightly off-center that it does leave me kind of going like lost highway is still one of just the creepiest off-putting feelings of film that i've that i've seen so we'll
0: have to check it out i'm not familiar with a lot of david lynch is that did he do twin peaks
1: he did yes he absolutely did twin peaks and again twin peaks isn't is not for everybody like i i love that show me and my buddy will sit there and talk you know theories about what that show is to this day and both of us have watched it up teen times and the best thing is there's no wrong answer. Like, what do you want that show to be? Lynch is not for everybody. I would say it really depends on what you want. Uh, my favorite Lynch film hands down would be uh Mulholland drive hands down. No contest. Um, I don't know if that's the easiest movie it has for someone to watch. I probably would recommend blue velvet, um, which has Dennis Hopper and Kyle McLaughlin and Laura Dern. Um, and that, I think, is a little more straightforward of a plot. But yeah, Lynch, Lynch has always made me kind of stop and just think. And since he doesn't give you the answers, it's the perfect, like we were talking before, you finish it, you talk about it with your buddy, you kind of go, oh, well, I didn't pick up on this little subtlety. What, what does this mean to you? And how did you see this kind of going? So that's why he's really, really fun.
0: All right, cool. I'll have to check out some of his stuff. I mm-hmm. think I tried watching an episode of Twin Peaks, and I found it a little slow. But maybe I wasn't in the right headspace for it.
1: It Twin Peaks can be slow, and it is uneven, primarily because it's a TV show. So, different directors, different writers.
0: Um. So before we started recording, you said you had you saw a ghost one. You definitely need to tell me that story.
1: Sure. Oh, absolutely. So I want to say I was probably five or six and uh my mom uh my younger sister and i were staying over at our at my aunt's house and um so she had one of those old uh, fold-out couches and uh as uh with regards to the story my uncle roger uh was an over-the-road truck driver so he was out of town and so it was just me my mom and my sister sleeping on this fold-out couch and you know my aunt's sleeping in the back. I wake up middle of the night and I look over. I pull the covers down. And I look over to where the um, uh, armchair, the chair that my uncle would usually sit in if he's home, is, and there is this young girl, um, probably ten or eleven, in this blue dress and this blue bonnet tied under her—sorry, uh, tied under her neck—and I just kind of stop. And she waves at me and I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little kid. I'm like, okay, I'm probably half asleep. So I cover my eyes, peek out again from the covers and she's still there. And she points to the door and I'm like, okay, look over the door. I don't see anything. And I just kind of roll over, close my eyes and like, try to fall asleep. Can't peek again for a third time. She's still in that chair. So finally I'm just like, okay. I'm just not going to look again. I'm not going to open my eyes. I'm just going to eventually fall asleep. So fall asleep. Tell my mom about it earlier uh, later that morning when everyone's woke up and she kind of dismisses it. She ends up telling my aunt, she's like, yeah. So, you know, they called me little Scott. Cause my dad's name is Scott. She's like, little Scott says he saw this ghost uh, overnight. And my aunt's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen it. My, you know, your uh, my cousin, Billy, her son has seen it um Yeah, no. The, yeah, the the young girl with the blue dress and the bonnet. Yeah, she's she's been around. So my aunt, when my cousin Chelsea was a little bitty baby, um, she had her covered up with a blanket. It was the middle of winter. My uncle Roger was out of town, and she woke up in the middle of the night to turn Chelsea over, take the blanket off, and fold it and whatnot. She wakes up, goes to check on Chelsea. Blanket's already off, folded in the corner. Chelsea's flipped um no one else was home and then my cousin Billy said that one time when he was a teenager he got out of the shower and was like you know drying off and stuff and he saw that same ghost that same girl in the bathroom mirror so it's one of those things where like I didn't talk to any of them I didn't know anything about this my mom even dismissed it but I mean to this day I know what I saw and I I get kind of chills when I talk about it so
0: wow that is so (laughs) creepy did you ever think to do any research into who the girl is
1: i asked my grand, i asked my grandma i asked my aunt and that area around there used to be farmland and there was plantations back in the day if i can figure out who to talk to and how to like start tracking that stuff down
0: um so there was an article that came out a while back saying that horror fans are handling quarantine better or lockdown better than non-horror fans why do you think that is
1: um, I think for a lot of people, again, myself included here, uh, it's because for us, like the, it's, it's a, you know, we see these horrible things in these movies or in the books. Like, it's almost like we've kind of been conditioned, like, yeah, we get it. Like, Hey, it's a zombie apocalypse, you know? Oh, you're the one who been got bit. Like, you're not going to hide it from me. We're going to play this smart. Um, and so also, I like, I like to believe that a lot of horror fans have a lot more empathetic heart, a lot more um, care for their fellow, for their fellow humans. Um, you know, we see that a lot in the Horror Virgin group. You know, that, that group is one of the most supportive and caring and loving groups out there. And it's all horror fans. Uh, and so I think that with, with that love of horror comes that love and understanding and empathy towards one another. You know, Um, so with regards to the pandemic, like, you know, I have friends and and, and family and stuff like that who are uh, autoimmune compromised. The last thing I want to do is, you know, get them sick. And I don't want it on my conscience that if I am out that I might get someone else sick. That's the last thing I would want. Um, so I think that, that with regards to horror, it kind of elevates that like sense of understanding and caring for one another.
0: Oh, that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite pandemic movie?
1: Ooh, I guess if I had to say like point blank off top of my head, I think it would have to be Outbreak.
0: Oh, okay. That's, that's a classic.
1: Yep. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember loving that movie as a kid. Um, and it just, it just kind of stuck with me. I love, I love, 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 love that movie.
0: Yeah. I remember um, watching it like when I was under 10 years old, mm-hmm. I think that was my first pandemic movie. And then uh, I went back and rewatched it at the in like March. Of
1: yeah. The year, so does it hold up?
0: I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it definitely does. It's on HBO right now. So,
1: Oh, even better. I will definitely have to go back and check it out. then.
0: Yeah. As is contagion.
1: So Ooh, I haven't seen contagion yet. <gasps>
0: Oh, okay. Immediately after. Stop watching whatever. Parasite. Parasite. Parasite's great. It's great. But go watch Contagion.
1: Okay. I can do that.
0: <laughs> um, so how do you decide what to watch when you're looking for something to watch?
1: It depends on what mood I'm in. Um, if it's just a, hey, I want something on in the background, I'll put something on that I've, that I've already seen a thousand times. Um, but if it's something I haven't seen, because I'm very, like I am very like, I like to understand the movie. I like to sit there and say, I've seen it. I will make sure that, hey, I have my time blocked out and I'm going to watch this film. And uh, like for an example with The Black Coat's Daughter, um, I finished it, went back, was reading the synopsis, um, was like reading some articles on what it was about. Because when I sit down and choose to watch a movie, it's you know, I'm trying to gain something from watching it. Um, even, you know, when I rewatch Halloween each year, it's okay. Well, here's some of the themes I picked up on. Can I reinforce those themes or does what I originally saw not really hold much water anymore? Um, but other times it's just, Hey, I remember this was a fun movie. Let's put it in and, and, and you know, enjoy like that was me with tragedy girls. I kind of went in going i heard great things it looks pretty slick let's see and the hour and a half went by like that you know so um that's that's kind of what it comes down to like right now literally right now if i'm choosing a movie i have made it my own mission that it has to be something i haven't seen um because i have one two three i think four stacks over there of unwatched movies right now so pandemic Plus it being October and Halloween, you know, let's watch stuff we haven't watched.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. I have a spreadsheet. What did you think of The Black Coat's Daughter?
1: Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, Another one I went into blind. I had heard nothing but great things about it and kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I loved it. I thought that especially their use of sound, the sound design and the score of that film and the atmosphere it created was phenomenal. Loved it. Um I'm a big fan of Emma Roberts, big fan of um I don't want to mispronounce her name, but the but the main uh the main actress from uh, Chilling Tales of Sabrina who plays the other main girl in there.
0: karen and, uh Shipka?
1: Shipka, yeah. That yep. Yeah. And I again, I loved her in Chilling Tales of Sabrina. I didn't realize that she was in it. I knew Emma Roberts was cuz of the poster, but I didn't know what to expect from that film and it was atmospheric there were definitely some jump scares that did get me it helped that i was watching it at 4 a.m. in my basement in the dark but you know setting does come into play with horror movies so but i absolutely loved it i thought it was great and it was it was a slow burn for sure but i don't mind slow burns not at all i can take slow burns all day i love the witch which is also another super slow burn so
0: i found it to be a little too <laughs> slow for me i don't know if i really Got the point of it. What did you find while you were reading about it?
1: The main thing is it's talking. Well, the big thing is the um, and this will, I guess, I guess I will say spoilers (laughs) just in case anyone wants to say. And uh, the big thing is the whole demonic possession aspect. Uh, that the main girl she is possessed by whatever this weird demon is, and you see it every once in a while in the background. Um, and then throughout the movie it's cutting between her and emma roberts and it to me uh what i found uh with one of the things i was reading was they were saying that it's talking about and making a point of these boarding schools kind of stripping away the individuality of people and then kind of going hey well especially at the end like the priest when he's doing the exorcism Um, to banish it he goes you're no longer welcome here you aren't welcome here get out get out get out Um, but that is kind of mirrored at the beginning when he's asking her hey where are your parents but why aren't they here yet she's like "Well, how long's the drive from here to there he goes well maybe they got caught in some snow they should be here in a day and but the big thing is is remember you can't stay here you have to leave for winter break you you can't stay here so it's that It's kind of the, um, how do they word it? It was giving you a place to call home that you're not fully always welcome at. Mm -hmm. And throughout the movie, you even see that when she's taking the phone call and the demonic voice is telling her, hey, you know, you can stay here as long as you want. Here's what you need to do. And so she does what she does. But that was the big thing is kind of showing that, like, sometimes what you think is home or comfortable or safe is not that I'm still looking to understand the very last frame and understand that part. Cause Emma Roberts goes back to the school and you think she's going to go through with what she does, but she ends up leaving and you see her turn around and she just starts crying and then credits. So I'm still trying to really piece that together. But as far as um, the religious aspect of it, I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm a sucker for possession and and haunt films and stuff like that. So,
0: Yeah, you had mentioned, I think, that you love possession and haunt, uh, haunted house movies. Yes. What, uh, what do you love about them?
1: Um, it it kind of comes from, I grew up Catholic. Uh, and then I was uh, Pentecostal for a little bit in high school. So having that religious background, I think, kind of makes me go, ooh, like, possession you know ghosts and obviously having seen a ghost myself and there's just something that for me you know you can show me all the gore and you know blood and guts you want that doesn't normally frighten me it's it's nasty it's disgusting but it's not exactly scary but when you show like uh say the taking of deborah logan when you show someone who is you know who is obviously not right they have something taking over them they are out of uh, control of their body and mind and knowing that you know like with taking it ever Logan it starts off with them documenting this Alzheimer's patient like knowing that that is real stuff that people do go through makes it a bit more realistic um, and you know with the haunted house type stuff um, who hasn't been in an un you know a uh, unfamiliar house or a Hotel or something, and heard a bump or a bang, and you know your your mind starts, you know, as the Ghetto Boys would say, playing tricks on you. So that's kind of why I gravitate towards them because it's the atmosphere. You know, you can make a bloodless, gore gore goreless horror movie with atmosphere and sound and noise, and it'll be for me at least five hundred times scarier than oh, he cut off their arm with a chainsaw.
0: Definitely, I agree. I recently watched for the first time Hell House LLC, and I loved it.
1: Oh yeah, Hell House is wonderful. And I won't give spoilers, but if you haven't watched them, for certain people, the the sequels do vary with what you might like or don't like. It depends on how much you like answered.
0: What is answered?
1: As in, like the they kind of go into the history and more explanation of what that house is.
0: Oh, okay. And the
1: history of the house.
0: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Maybe I'll watch. Mm-hmm. I'll watch them because I do. I do like that.
1: Yeah I've I watched all three and I think the director's cut of uh, Hell House LLC 1 is supposed to be coming out on Prime tomorrow.
0: Oh fun. Oh. And I
1: don't know what that entails but I'm probably going to watch it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it'll be Halloween so why not? Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of setting, have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a movie in theaters?
1: Um oh yeah. Uh, I'll do serious first, then I'll do joking. So I think probably one of the best experiences I had in the theater was when I saw a quiet play. I went by myself, and there was maybe a smattering of 20 people in that theater. Went midday, and, you know, it starts off, and people are kind of munching popcorn and drinking and, you know, opening stuff. Within 20 minutes, people weren't making noise. Like, it was it was literally – like it was so quiet. We could hear the next theater over. Like, so that was very awesome to see all these people kind of just buy into that, you know, buy into that, uh, universe. Like, no, no, sh- shut up. We gotta be quiet now. So, uh, that was, that was wonderful. One of the funnest things I did was, uh, but when tw- when Halloween 2018 opened me and my buddy went dressed as Michael Myers and uh, a local theater, we knew the, we knew the uh, owner or not the owner, the manager on duty. And she's like, Hey, come up, dress up in costume and stand outside the theater as people walk out and kind of give them a little bit of a scare. So that was, that was super fun. And then when I saw Jason X in the theater, I was a teenager and it was a midnight showing and there was probably maybe 40 people in the theater. And again, it's Jason X. It's the tenth one in the series. I hope you know what you're getting with a Jason movie by the tenth installment. So there's a part at the beginning where what the one of the characters is like, Do you know who Jason Voorhees is? And people were riffing and making fun of the movie out the gate. So I just top of my head, I go, I love him. He was the best lover I ever had. He, you know, he 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 got me going. He used nipple clamps and everything, and people start laughing. And then, like, 20 minutes later in that film, that same character is tied up in the bed, and he has nipple clamps on. No joke. Go back and watch the film. It's a thing. And someone stood up in the in the theater they're like, holy crap, that dude was right. And people start laughing. So we're walking out of the theater, and this one person behind us, they're like, thanks for ruining the movie for me. And I said, hey, I wasn't trying to ruin the movie, but, dude, it's Jason Tin. Like, what, what were you expecting, okay? Um, the only thing that ever topped that was when I, and this isn't horror related. Well, I guess given that it's based on real life, it's horror related. When I walked out of seeing Titanic, me and my friend Zach, just as a joke, I'm walking out and I go, man, can't believe the boat crashed. And there is this group of young people waiting to get in. And one of them turns to us and just starts bawling and goes, thanks for ruining it for me. I'm going.
0: Oh my God.
1: "Mm." And, and I know what you're going to say. A lot of people go, yeah, but no one's that stupid. Keep in mind when they did the re-release for like the 20th anniversary or whatever, people were tweeting. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine if this was really, if this had really happened?
0: (gasps) I didn't know that happened.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, I, I'm sad for the future.
1: But um, yeah, but I mean um, those are some of my, some of the ones that really stuck out to me I don't remember the actual scene of the movie but when I was young I remember my dad picked me up to go take me to see Ghostbusters 2 as a like a random special thing when I was young and that always kind of stuck with me so
0: yeah I had another friend over um, a friend on recently who also got yelled at for laughing too much and making fun of Jason X too much I think it was Jason X so yeah it wouldn't surprise me people need (laughs) to like calm down a little
1: bit breathe it's gonna be okay it's a movie okay it's a movie
0: (laughs) so what's the movie theater situation like right now in missouri
1: um amc has started opening back up uh we have another uh another one out here uh marcus theaters um they started opening up both in limited capacity i haven't braved it to see what they mean by limited capacity just because The issue that we're having is St. Charles, the actual county where I'm at, they have pretty much said, hey, wear a mask if you want to. We're not gonna make you wear a mask, but hey, if you want to, cool. And a lot of the restaurants are moving away from social distancing even, so it's one of those things like, I really, really wanna get back into the theater. I'm not willing to take that risk. Um, So there is a drive-in, the Skyview drive-in, like about 40 minutes away over in illinois and i mean you're obviously going to be social distance if you're to drive in and it's you know you're in your car and they with it being halloween they're doing you know spooky movies so they have two two theaters or two screens you know one for the kids one for the adults and uh so that's been you know if i want to go see a movie that would be how i would
0: Okay. Um, so, what was the last horror movie that you saw in theaters before everything shut down?
1: I believe it was the Child's Play remake.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I am too. <laughs> I really, I went in, I did. I think it was uh, 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 Roger Ebert, who he said anytime he went to see a movie, he went in with no expectations. He said, I'm going to go in thinking I'm going to like this movie, and that's how I kind of view movies. But oh that was not good i wanted to like it i really did i like aubrey plaza i i like mark hamill i thought he sounded decent as the voice of chucky nope nope
0: yeah i've never seen any of the original child's play movies just because they don't really interest me but Mm -hmm. i went to go see this one and i was just like that was that was bad
1: The, the child's play franchise is interesting um My ex-wife, that was her favorite franchise. So I'm well-versed in the original Child's Play, all of them. And I think it's interesting because especially, like, you you know, we talk about, you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th and all these. But with Child's Play, with the exception of this remake, all the other movies in that series, which I think there's seven or eight now, which is crazy, are all written and directed by the same guy. So, like, if nothing else, like, at least it has that same writer-director who kind of keeps up on the trends of the time, you know, um, the first one was a straight kind of supernatural slasher. Um, And then when you get into Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, like those were right around the time of Scream and all like the self referential meta humors and stuff like that, you know, like in Bride of Chucky, you have Jennifer Tilly being killed by a doll voiced as her, but voiced by her. So there's all that self referential humor as well. And then, you know, within more recent ones with uh, Curse and Cult, they're more dark, they're more sinister, uh, a little more violent uh, than some of the middle entries of the series. So they they do evolve over time, but I completely understand, like, your mileage may vary with the Child's Play movies, because the thing I always hear is, it's a doll, how's that scary?
0: <laughs> yeah, you kick it.
1: Exactly. Although, I will always go back and say, I don't care what you say, that last segment of Cat's Eye with the little weird uh, puppet thing always scared the holy bejeevus, bejesus out of me when I was a kid. So
0: Good to know. Uh, so there have been a lot of movies that have been postponed this year because of COVID. Which one are you most upset about?
1: Well, initially it was Quiet Place 2. Because I, I, I had actually planned to make the drive to, uh, to uh, Nashville for the Horror Virgin meetup for that. Um, so that was, that was the first one. Uh, once they pushed back Halloween Kills – then I was like, Ugh. but in, a, in addition to those, I really wanted to see Candyman. Um, was super excited for Candyman, and I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting. But those those are the big three: mm-hmm. Candyman, Quiet Place Two, and Halloween Kills. And we just got the um, the Halloween Kills trailer yesterday, which you know, 30 seconds. But hey, cool. Uh, but yeah, those are the big three. Like, oh man, I. I'm looking forward to all three of those, and I don't know which one would take that top spot. Even being a huge Michael Myers Halloween fan, I don't know, man. Like the that last um, a trailer for Candyman with a stop motion animation yeah. that blew me away. Oh, that yeah. blew me away, and the little teaser trailer they had for Quiet Place too. I'm like, oh, so is this is this a like a prequel then it kind of jumps ahead to the future like what are we getting with this so all three of them have me excited in different ways
0: yeah it's so sad that they've all been postponed (laughs) Yup. um thanks covid are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like
1: Ooh, let me think about that horror movies that people don't like i don't know about that but i know that there are a few that most people look at me and go really you like that I actually very much, as much as I despise everything else this man has done, I really did enjoy Green. I I don't care for Eli Roth uh, as far as a director. Like Cabin Fever, Hostel, I have no desire to even want to watch him. I've read synopses. I I don't care. The, every person in that movie seems like a like an asshole who deserves what they get, and I don't want to waste two hours of my time. However. One of my, uh, my best friend, she loves more of the, like, very graphic extreme horror, and so she's like, I've read about this, I really want to watch Green Inferno, and I'm like, okay, I will, I will go ahead and watch this with you, because, like, she's the kind who's like, let's watch Human Centipede 2, and I'm like, I'm good, no, we don't, I I have, I have my limits, you know, Um, so I agreed to watch Green Inferno, and uh overall like it's not like oh my gosh i want to watch this and everyone should watch this movie but it is a well shot and well plotted movie and the gore wasn't nearly as bad as i was expecting it to be uh it's still it's still gory for an eli roth movie but the majority of people i hear talk about the movie they're like that movie sucked it was horrible why there's nothing good oh eli roth we get it americans shouldn't leave america stay in america That's pretty much the synopsis of any Eli Roth film. However, the fact that they did use actual indigenous tribes, and I do believe that uh, a portion of the film's proceeds went to actually, like, preserving their land and preserving the forest and stuff like that. Like, the part of me that cares about the environment and all that kind of stuff was very, like, oh, well, that's kind of surprising. So that kind of endeared it to me a little bit more as well.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. I've actually never seen that one, but... Uh, that doesn't surprise me because I I did see Cabin Fever in theaters when it came out, and mm-hmm. I was like never watching that again. And I've never seen Hostel because when I travel, I stay in hostels, so I don't need, mm-hmm. I don't need that drama. Um, well,
1: I mean, and that's the other thing too is again he it, it's it's scare tactics. He's literally making scare tactics. Don't leave the out world outside world a scary place. No, uh, just for your listeners, I have never stayed in a hostel, but I have plenty of friends who travel the world. They do van life, do all that stuff. Hostels, by, by and large in general, aren't, aren't, aren't like that. Don't let that be the case. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, hostels are amazing. I love them. So if you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be?
1: Mm, I would say if I could remake one horror movie and only one, I would have to pick the gate.
0: I've never heard of it.
1: So the gate was one of those, I I kind of watched and rewatched and rewatched as a kid. Basically the um, plot breakdown is that these kids end up opening a gate, like a a huge hole in their backyard um, that lets all sorts of like crazy creatures through. And at the end of it, it, it turns like evil and all this um but the main reason i would want to remake it is at the time in the mid 80s when it came out it was very like a lot of the end parts were like stop motion animation and they were choppy even for that time period so going back and remaking that with like actual good practical effects practical not cgi practical effects um (laughs) And just kind of giving it a, a, a nice, like, update, I think, would be fun. Because uh, that was just a fun movie. It wasn't overly scary. It wasn't overly violent or anything like that. I think it was PG-13, uh, even by 80s standards. So it was it, it was just a fun movie. And I think that would be a fun movie to kind of revisit and remake.
0: Okay, cool. I'll take a look into the original. Is it yeah. streaming
1: anywhere right now? Uh, I don't know if it's streaming. If you do find it streaming, um, and if both of them are streaming, I would um, just just avoid the uh, sequel. Okay. The, right. the sequel is is not good. <laughs>
0: yeah, that happens so often with sequels. But do you have a favorite horror movie sequel?
1: Oh yeah, hands down, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Oh
0: okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, not not like it takes everything that Toby Hooper was trying to get across in the first one with the dark comedy and the and the. Uh, undertones, and he just kind of goes, you guys didn't get it the first time. I'm just going to go, like, I'm just going to double down the second time. So, like, if you look at, like, the movie poster for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, it is a literal parody of The Breakfast Club. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, that's kind of the, don't get me wrong, it is still a frightening, scary movie, but, I mean, you have Dennis Hopper dual-wielding chainsaws fighting Leatherface. Hmm. So, it's, it's interesting, and then, again, it's one of those It's just a fun movie like it knows what it is. It's not taking itself too seriously and it's just fun. So
0: awesome. All right. Well, my last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be?
1: Man, that's a dark answer because I don't think I'd like it. But I think the funny answer would be uh, would be Jigsaw because at least there'd be games to play. But I don't know if I want to play those games. Um, I would probably have to say. Ooh. I mean, I'm going I'm just gonna say Michael Myers. I mean, he's quiet. He's you know, he he's not overtly violent. So I mean his his messes aren't gonna to be too much. And he kind of sticks to himself. Okay. So
0: yeah. As long as you wouldn't want to talk to anyone, that's that's a good answer. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, Scott. This was really fun.
1: Yeah, thank you for the time and the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I'll see you around the horror virgin community. Absolutely. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Scott, and thanks again to Scott for taking the time to chat with me today. If anyone knows how to go about helping Scott look up the history of old haunted homes so we can find out who the girl in the blue dress is at his aunt's house, email us for sure, or reach out to him. You can find a link to his Instagram in the show notes, and he told me just before this episode went up that he's raising money on Indiegogo to fund his first feature film called Christmas Chaos, so the link to donate to that will also be in the show notes. As always, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you again to everyone who's already left us a review. We really appreciate it, as it really helps people find us. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at thewhosTheirPod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and wear a mask.